My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real? with Sarah Frick. Today, we are sitting down with Cynthia Wong, and we are going to hear all about life raft treats and the journey to get there, where she came from, all the things... Um, so let's go ahead and start. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, let's just start at the beginning. Tell okay. me about growing up in the deep South as a little girl. <laughs> Ooh, um, I was born on, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was actually born here in Charleston. My dad, uh, was going to medical school at MUSC. And so I was born at MUSC oh, wow. and, uh, we lived here for two years, um, over on James Island, actually a couple of streets away from where I have a house now. Which is totally bizarre and funny. Uh, then we moved to Nashville. We were there for a little bit. Uh, spent a year in Saginaw, Michigan, which was a complete and total culture shock after having been in the South and going up to like... I'm sure. Former auto manufacturing Michigan. It was like, whoa, my <laughs> hair is so inadequate. Um, then we moved to Mobile, Alabama. And so I guess I kind of stand from Mobile, Alabama because that's where I finished high school and it's where I kind of went back to college and all that stuff. Um, it wasn't fun. But it's kind of one of those things where uh, I guess being on the outside of things is a good thing growing up because then you always feel like, well, it doesn't really matter what people are going to think about me because you're kind of used to people sort of assuming the incorrect thing about you to start with. So then you just kind of keep plowing ahead and, um, you know, you just a lot of things don't bother you as much, I think, because you've had to deal with things that were uh, a lot tougher at a younger age. Yeah. So did you, were you an only child? Uh, I have two older sisters. Okay. Which is other, uh, the other part of being scarred young. <laughs> <laughs> I have two boys now and they uh, hit each other and shove each other. At the end of the day, they can't be without each other. Yeah. Um, but, you know, girls are different. We, we scar each other psychologically permanently. Yeah. So that's what we did to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so then after you were done in Alabama, mm-hmm. you went to culinary school? I went to culinary school in France. Oh, wow. um, right from high school? Um, no, actually, I went to art school in Atlanta, and I got kicked out of art school, which you have to really make an effort <laughs> to get kicked out of art school. How does one get kicked out of art school? <laughs> you just don't go to class. Yeah. And when you go to class, you just are like, I can't really do this. And did you I, love art, though? I did. Um, but I got there, and I realized I didn't have anything to say as an artist. I just liked doing something with my hands, but I wasn't creative in that sort of media. Like I, you know, there were people in school there that had something to say. Yeah. And I didn't, I just wanted to make something that was pretty and it wasn't the same thing. So it was a bad fit. Um, and I was just trying to get out of Alabama more than anything. So I got kicked out. I went back home for a little bit. Um, and then moved out to San Francisco, baked bread for a couple of years and then was like... Were you into baking though as a young Yes. That's what I'd always wanted to do. If you'd asked me when I was five years old, I would have said, I want to be a baker. Wow. Yeah. I think Um, I wanted to be like, um, a Barbie or something. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to have Barbie feet. I didn't, I mean, the body would be nice to just be able to like shove in the cheese and still be shapely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I always wanted to be a baker. I just kind of knew it was just this thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So you're in San Francisco. So I'm in San Francisco. Baking bread. Baking bread and kind of quickly realizing that I needed to expand my culinary knowledge and not just be able to bake bread. So uh, I went to France and went to school there and was very lucky to be able to get to do that and just say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go to France and just to kind of do it. And um, Was your family supportive of this too? They were to the extent that uh, they felt that I should kind of expand my horizons, but they still hadn't really bought into the whole cooking for a living thing. 
And it's just really recent, like literally in the past two years since I've kind of done my own thing that my parents are finally like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we accept it. Which, you know, now as a parent, I get it. My, my dad was a doctor. Uh, you know, he sent us to private school. He paid for all of our educations. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say he didn't work hard. He worked his, he worked his, his tail off, but it was different. It was a different kind of work. And, you know, there have definitely been moments where I've said, I think I've ruined a really good hobby. You know, you always <laughs> yeah. have those moments when you do something that you love. And then like at a certain point, it's just, you kind of you're not sure you still love it anymore because yeah. it's work, um, but yeah. So so they helped me get there for sure, and and I mean it's France. It's it was great. How many years were you there? I was there for about a year and a half. Um, once I was done with school, I wasn't ready to go back to the states and be an adult and be a pastry chef. Uh, so I went to Barcelona and sat next to my husband in Spanish class in Barcelona. I love it. <laughs> Is he American? Yeah, um, and. He was just really funny. And not only was he really funny, he knew where all the food was. He was like, let's go get something to eat. He kind of figured me out really early, which was make me laugh and feed me. And then like, that's done. You got me. Yeah. So he did that. Fed me a lot, made me laugh. And we stayed there for about two and a half years. Um, Realized that I needed to go back and finish college. And he went to graduate school. So back to San Francisco? um, He went to Arizona. I went back to Mobile, finished college. Then we, uh, when we were done, we moved to Atlanta together. Nice. Back in Atlanta. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. So back from Atlanta and then did you start working there as well? Were you mm-hmm. working in a restaurant there? Um, I had, well, I had taken a really big, long detour from cooking because, you know, I kind of, it was this thing where I wrestled with being in restaurants for a really long time because of the time commitment and the hours and the culture. And there were things that I really loved about it, but I also just, I didn't want to work at night. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be home with my, well, he wasn't my husband yet, but I wanted to be home with him. And I wanted to go out on the weekends and I wanted to have something in, you know, resembling a life. I didn't want to have to give all that stuff up as a badge of me being dedicated to it. I thought that was ludicrous. Yeah. So I avoided it for a pretty good stretch, you know, did things that were sort of around food. Like I worked as a food stylist for a little bit for some TV shows and um, found that really unfulfilling and it just wasn't really the world for me. And uh, when my husband's best friend opened a restaurant in Decatur in 2010, I think it was, Open it with him um, and just kind of got back in that way. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So I guess just to bring us up to date a little bit, just can you talk about um, how you got into the, having the food truck here? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, we had just had our second uh, son when we were living in Asheville. We, I, I, My friends, even my good friends, need like a chart explaining. <laughs> I'm like, like, okay, so we're here, here. I swear I'm not under ocean. witness protection. Like I'm not <laughs> fleeing from something. Where did you work in Asheville? Or did uh, you? I was at Rhubarb okay. with John Fleer. For, I, used love, I used to hang out in Asheville a lot. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, and so we moved here. We had our two boys, and uh, they, were, uh, they were like uh, three and just a little bit over one at that time. And I had to take a certain size of job just to be able to pay for them to go to daycare, essentially. And, so you didn't uh, have to be home with them all day. So I didn't have to be home with them all day. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of like... No, no, it really, it was true. You yeah. Know, I, uh, when we had our first one, we moved to London, and I spent two okay, years... So, uh, okay. Just raising... I know. <laughs> so, wait, 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 what? Um, I spent two years raising him in London, not working, and it was fantastic. It was magical. He was a really sweet, easy, wonderful baby. And it was this fantastic time. And it's easy to look back on that and romanticize it and say, oh, you know, it's me and my baby. But at the same time, I remember really dark moments of being, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. Is this it? Am I done? Did I throw my career in the trash bin? I mean, I love this person and want to give him everything, but 
there was always that longing to get back to work and to have something that was really mine yeah. and not just him. So, um, you know, came back to the States. Um, and then when we were in Charleston, when we moved to Charleston, um, yeah, yeah I, I really wanted to go back to work and I really wanted to go back in a real way and kind of relaunch my career. Um, and, you know, Charleston, the food scene's great, but there aren't a lot of jobs that can pay a pastry chef well enough to put, to put two kids in daycare, essentially. Right. And before we get into that, could yeah. you, just as someone who doesn't really know mm-hmm. and what that looks like, yeah. so if you are a pastry chef, are you mm-hmm. a pastry chef for several restaurants or they won't hire you for one? You um, go into... I was working for uh, a restaurant group downtown and they had several okay. restaurants here in town and then one in Nashville as well. And it was the only um, the only thing that I felt like was going to give me enough flexibility to a certain extent and, you know, that was going to pay properly without me having to give up something really kind of ridiculous in order to make that kind of money to send these two kids to, to daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for about two years and got burnout past the point of no return with restaurants in general. Um, and so I felt like I was kind of backed into a corner. And I quit before I really had another plan um, and started looking around for another job. And I was like, oh, oh, oops, there is another job mm-hmm. where I can still send these kids to... The daycare. Okay, we're gonna have to figure this out. Yeah. And my husband, being the eternal optimist, said, "You know, you've always wanted to, to, you know, really make ice cream for real." He's like, "Well, here you are. What else were you planning on doing? Why don't you just do it?" And so, kind of being backed in the corner and sort of not panicking, but just being able to get to that point of mind where it's like, "Okay, we're just gonna do this." Mm-hmm. I just kind of did it. And when I say that, I, I realize how much privilege is involved with being able to just take a leap because my husband could support the family right. and had uh, my my parents and his mom um, helping us out with the seed money, um, right. you know, uh, friends in town who were supportive enough of the community that was really supportive of me making my own move. Like all these things were, were very, I was very, very lucky to have all these things, you know, going for me versus just kind of going, I'm oh, just going to do it and just going to launch and, and not having those things and how terrifying that would be. Right. You know, I know Lindsay and I have talked about that, just being an entrepreneur myself and having children and having, like you said, the privilege to be able to just say, all right, I'm going to try this. And I mean, shit, if it doesn't work, I'll be able to get back up. And right. sometimes you're like, I got to work because I got to buy diapers. Like, yeah. I don't ha- I can't just be like, I want to live my dream. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, so I think there are always struggles behind that for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I got ahead of myself too. So can we talk, like, talk to me a little bit about what it's like to be a woman in that, the business, the restaurant business, the, the kitchen, <clears> the, <throat> the only thing I've ever, I've bartended mm-hmm. and I was a really fucking terrible waitress, <laughs> like really bad. Like the guy was like, I went, I was living in Hilton Head at the time and I went to interview and mm-hmm. he said, I got the job because my mom made me write a thank you note after <laughs> she was like, you need to thank that man. <laughs> so I sent him a thank you note. I was in college uh-huh. and he let me work every summer at this place. I don't even say what it is. It's just stupid yeah. and cheesy. But um, I just remember like walking in the kitchen and it was just, it was all men. It was a lot of like, what, you know, what's up mm-hmm. girl? And I mean, I was younger and right. dumber and yes. at the time I didn't think much about it. But yeah. as a woman, I, now I would be like, hmm, yeah. you know, that's probably not the most appropriate thing ever. So right. um, did you have any of those experiences or? Um, to a certain extent, but I think I was also lucky in working in places where that just kind of wasn't really the vibe, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I was really lucky that way. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, a kind of meathead thing. And it, it's and when I say meathead, I'm not really necessarily talking about men in general, but just this whole, like, if you're not working 80 hours a week, 
you're not a real chef. Mm-hmm. You're not really doing your job. And this is a job for tough people and just woo kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, man, me being exhausted doesn't make the food taste any better. Right. <laughs> you know, if people are working 80 hours a week, it means you're doing something wrong. Yeah. As a manager or, or as an owner, like you either need to hire more staff or you need to scale back what you're doing or something. Right. And I just don't. I mean, that was another reason, like a huge reason why I left was I was just like, this doesn't make any sense for anything. This doesn't make anything better. This is just um, people being masochistic or trying to run away from the rest of their lives. Yeah, mm, that's true as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's addictive. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so now you, you've got all this support. Mm-hmm. So talk to, ha- talk to me about buying a food truck. Um, we looked for, we just started kind of researching the thing, uh, the trucks, and you know, looking at ones that were already built, which is kind of ridiculous. And um, I'm not sure we found out about, we found about this government auction website where you can get used things that were either seized in an auction or in our case, it was a postal truck. And oh, it was cool. in Savannah. And I didn't realize that most major cities have like a little auto, like the post office has its own auto shop behind the main post office where they are meticulously <clears throat> maintaining their vehicles and their fleet. So we won this auction, got a old, got an old postal truck for very, very cheap, um, went, picked it up, had it fabricated and just kind of <laughs> did it. And <clears throat> my friend Milani, um, who has since left Charleston and um, has broken all of our hearts doing that, just kidding, Milani, if you're listening. <laughs> um, she she had launched Scram uh, about a year and a half before I had started, and she was like, you're just going to figure it out. She's like, I don't really have any good advice for you, but you're just going to figure it out. Yeah. And it's true, and I think that having kids helps you kind of get to that point where you're not so worked up thinking everything to death. Just on your feet. Just on your feet, you yeah. know, and it's like you have your first kid, and that's such a shock, and that is, you know, you find a new reality of having a kid, and then you have the second one, and that's another new reality. And it's the same thing with the business. It's just like, okay, well, we're just going to have to figure this out. Yeah. Like, we're going to just make it happen. We're totally. going to have to. I know people are always like, well, what's your business plan? And I'm like, hmm. So <laughs> my business plan is to make people sweat, <clears throat> mm-hmm. hopefully give them a good ass, and make them feel something <laughs> on a prayer. Right, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's, it's, it's very true. It's hard to articulate that. It's harder, you know, say, what is the plan? It's like, well, I want to make people happy and eventually be able to afford to send my kids to college. Mm-hmm. So you do want a storefront or? Yes. Cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot open in my building right now. <laughs> I saw. I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty. This is actually where it's up and coming. <clears throat> Upper yeah. Meeting Street, for those of you not local. Um, um, so I was, uh, Carter, who works with mm-hmm. me, she was telling me, like, she's like, have you never tried the the non-fried fried chicken? Not fried chicken, yeah. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you tell us about that? Because um, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, that looks delicious. It's an ice cream bar. It looks like a piece of fried chicken. Um, and it's waffle cone ice cream. There's chocolate cookie bone inside oh um, and then it's dipped in uh, caramelized white chocolate and rolled in cornflakes <laughs> and um, it's crunchy and kind of salty and kind of creamy and sweet and fun and funny and yeah yeah so do people ever like were to order those in bulk like for events yes yeah and you can also get a six-piece bucket oh my gosh that's awesome. if you so desire <laughs> if you so desire that would have been like my pregnancy dream um do you have people people obviously working with you Yes, I one. I have one. <laughs> this is so funny because people will say things like, "Are you taking any stages?" I'm like, um, <laughs> "This is like a micro business. It's yeah. barely a business." I have one full time employee. She's fantastic, um, and she's just she's just kind of my kind of person. She can just kind of take it and is blunt and straightforward and 
Um, right now, all I can really give her is flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so we do that. And um, my husband kind of, I guess he works for the company. I don't I don't really know how to say. It's just he kind supports. of. He supports and he um, he is the schmoozer. Um, he's the handshaker and the person who makes the initial, con- the, the initial contact on a phone um, and has like the bigger picture of things, um, which is great. Yeah. You know, um, like sort of the business sense versus just like, oh, I want to create this thing that looks like this and tastes like this. You can say, actually, okay, well, here's how we should package it and here's where we need to yeah. sell it. Yeah. And do you have people that come in wanting private orders of yeah. certain things looking? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. We do weddings, stuff like that. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Okay. So if you weren't doing this, what else would you be doing? Oh, gosh. I know. That's such a random question. When people ask me that, I'm like, I can't do QuickBooks. I don't know any of my passwords. <laughs> I don't know what I would be doing. I mean, I think about it sometimes. Um, I'd love to travel, but... Yeah. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's so hard to imagine something other than... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel sometimes like I I should have followed my dad's advice and been like a dermatologist or something. Yeah. You know, but then I realized I don't really want to touch other people. So that would be kind of like a really, uh, kind of like an icky job. Yeah. Why, um, why a dermatologist? See, my mom thought I should be the weather girl. And I was, she's like, you're so tall. I was like, mom, that's not how it works. That's why she put me in school early. I was the youngest person in my grade. And I was like, not developmentally. She was like, I just, you were so tall. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, so just because he thought you would be. Um, well, he, you know, he, he really viewed medicine being a doctor as like this very respectable life where you can afford to send your kids to private school and have this certain lifestyle. And it's just this kind of, you know, it's, it's the hard striving immigrants package of a good life. Right. And he wanted the same thing for me. And he was like, you know, you have office hours. No one's going to call you in the middle of the night with like a mole emergency. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not a plastic surgeon where you have to go into an emergency room and stitch someone's forehead yeah. because they've fallen down. He's like... He put them, some thought into it. Yeah. He's like, you look at moles, you look at some kind of gross things, but then you're <laughs> kind of done and yeah. they're always busy. And I'm like, okay. But it's true. Yeah. I feel like the older I get, the more I have to go anyway. So... Great. That is very, very true. <laughs> so how do your kids play in this? Do you... Do they like enjoy seeing you in this or do they get to be part of it? Or? Oh, they love it. Yeah. They love it. They love getting on the truck and then, you know, touching everything with her little dirty fingers, <laughs> and then, which will wipe everything down. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, uh, they love the ice cream, you know, and it's like this neat thing and they're really proud of it, which is really cute. Yeah. Um, and they don't know, uh, how much unpaid labor is in their, uh, their future. future. Yeah. Yes. They're going to be big boys too. So they're going to be scooping on the truck before they're of age. Have you guys heard the new Primal has come out with its own ketchup? It's not only Whole30 approved, keto certified, gluten-free, but also has zero sugar and it actually tastes good, you guys. I'm not kidding. I gave it to my kids the other night with some extra, extra healthy chicken nuggets and French fries, <laughs> but they loved it. Um, just like regular ketchup. It was, it's so, so good. And you can buy it anywhere, but if you use our code, you can get it for 20% off their website using code THEWORKS. They're also selling at Whole Foods right now. So go treat yourself, get some ketchup. Um, because it's such a small operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the year where we will st- dump a lot of money into it. Like we're building a third vehicle, like a little mini truck for weddings. That's super cute kind of thing. Building a facility, which is extraordinarily expensive um, because so you of can the... you do your own baking? Um, your, your my own, own manufacturing, yeah. yeah. Manufacturing. Um, there are 
some national retailers that are really interested in carrying our products. So we just, we have to make it a real business. It can't just be like my kind of little hobby that I'm doing only on my terms with my friends, the way I want to <laughs> do it. And not at night. Right. <laughs> night, night, no, it's, 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 it's going to have to be like a real thing, a real absorbing thing where I have to hire more people. And so this one person who is burdened with all of my trust. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I, uh, I don't know if I want to take this big of a step and, uh, and you know, now that it's January and I have time to think about it, I'm not backed into a corner. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, Oh God, maybe I should just put it in the can and do something easy. But then again, nothing's easy. I know. You know? So what is it like just that, just hearing you say that we just recently, um, we were in New York doing, I was teaching a few classes mm-hmm. in New York and we had like these really two great experiences, um, teaching at the Soho house and then this other place. And, I was like, what, what's driving this? Like, mm-hmm. cause I was like, you know, I'm leaving my kids, John, my husband's like, what is, you know, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why more, you know? And I was like, and we're going to open another studio. And mm-hmm. it's like, I was like, I don't want to play small when I know that this could be serving a larger purpose. Right. And we, and yes, it's going to be so much work. But then part of me is like, but you know, why? Because there, if I, I mean, I don't know if I'm not trying to put words in your no, mouth, no, no, but no. like for me, I'm like, I, my workload is maxed out right now. Right. So does that look like, you know, you got to spend money to make money mm-hmm. and you got to put yourself out there more yeah. and I'm, I can assume for you, I know for me, like with the product that I'm selling, there's mm-hmm. a lot of heart into it. And yes. like, I'm like, here's my baby. Be nice. Right. right? Like, don't hurt my baby. Yeah. And, yeah, and no. when you, when I was in New York, I was like, I like New Yorkers. Okay guys. But it was so <laughs> different to yes. like bring this thing and to be like, you know, bleed everywhere. And then mm-hmm. to be like, all right, did you get that? You know, like, yeah. are, are you guys vibing with me? And, um, and we came back and I felt like I'd like hit this really high, high and like mm-hmm. poor Carter. She's so awesome. She's like, here we go. Here goes Sarah on her fucking emotional roller coaster. <laughs> like we get back and I was like, I'm just really depressed. <laughs> she was like, why? <laughs> you know, I felt like I had like done this thing right. and then it, then it was like questioning, okay, well now what do we do? Yeah. Like are people could be like, okay, so are you going to open up a pop-up in New York? Like, yes. are you, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And so I think like in that, in the possibility of trying to figure it out, there is, I don't want to sound like kitschy, but like beauty in the breakdown. Like it's kind of like, all right, mm-hmm. well, we're going to just put one foot in front of the other and see what we see what happens. Yeah. And hope for the best. Yeah, totally. You know, and for me, like always kind of remembering that it looks like a lot of money to me, but in the scheme of the world and what's recoverable, it's not actually that much money. So mm-hmm. if it all does go into the shitter, <laughs> which yeah. hopefully it won't, um, Everything's still going to be okay. You know, mm-hmm. no one's life's on the line. We're not talking about surgery. We're not talking about, you know, whether we're going to put someone in a care home or not. It's it's going to be okay. Right. It's it's fucking ice cream that looks like chicken. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's going to be all right. Right. You know, but it it's hard to keep that in mind sometimes because it is your love. And like you said, it's your baby. And yeah. so you're, you know, there's always a, a sense of mild panic about it. Right. Yeah. And I, I hear you. I'm always like, all right, guys, it's just yoga. Like, we got this. Yeah. We can do this. Yeah. Um, and if it's not this, then we'll rally and do something else. And just like with that same ethic and yeah, keep going. Absolutely. Um, so you were nominated for a James Beard award. Mm-hmm. When was that? Like uh, 2011, 12, and there was like a gap and then a couple of other, other times. <laughs> um, but last year I was nominated with the truck, which was like a big surprise. And I thought was Great, not just for me because it's like, um, are you guys going to find out that it's a truck and take it away from me because it's just yeah. a truck and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing? But it was also like, okay, great. So here is this sort of, um, you know, storied uh, a body, I guess, that is bestowing these honor on people. And 
you can have a barbecue restaurant now and be best chef at Southeast. You can have an ice cream truck and get nominated for outstanding pastry chef. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's really great that they're opening up their perspective on what qualifies, what's good. And it's not just like white tablecloth and, you know, a $7 million build out. Like it's, yeah. That is really cool. I want to ask a question that Mm -hmm. because I think about like being in boutique fitness, Mm -hmm. um, I see just from my own experience, like the big gyms. So I always mm. think like the big gyms look to me like they're just sad yeah. places and they're kind oh of God. like dying. I don't yeah. want to say that. I know I'm going to offend somebody, but I just feel like people are moving towards more intimate experience. Mm-hmm. Do you see the same thing in like the big restaurants that were like used to be, you yes. know, I feel like I'm more drawn to going somewhere where it's like just a few tables, a bar, yep. some good wine, some mm-hmm. great food and not like a whole big production. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I hope so. Like I've, you know, I've been in and seen restaurants that seat like 200 people and it just, you can't express anything in that quantity of food. Right. It's just hard to, you know, um, and I feel like it's, it's, you know, having been on both sides of trying to get in shape continually throughout life, it's sort of this, it's to me, it's really the same experience. It's like, you know, you can go to this restaurant and maybe it's a little bit less expensive and it's huge and it's just kind of this chef has put a stamp on it, but he's no longer invo- he or she is no longer involved with it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing with um, fitness. You know, it's like you can go to this, hey, you sign up now, it's free, blah, 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 kind of gym, right. go 24 hours. And it's just like, uh, I have to do these things with my body in public. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel really awkward no matter what. Yeah. Or you can do it in the setting where this person knows you, knows that, you know, you're like jelly around the middle or you're shaped like a barrel. Right. And you need some help. <laughs> And you can find kindness and appreciation there. And yeah, it's going to cost more, but you're going to get what you pay for. Absolutely. And so I really feel like food is very much like that too. Um, you know, and we have a very teeny, tiny, tiny, itty bitty little um, wholesale side of the company. And basically I only sell to my friends that have small restaurants that they own that will pay on time or on delivery that mm-hmm. will treat my product um, and serve my product the way it should be just as I will make things for them that goes along with their food where they basically have, you know, an in-house pastry chef without having a pastry chef. Yeah. And so it's all kind of the same thing. And I, I really hope that it does move in that direction, does continue to move that direction where we get away from industrialized food and fitness and experiences. Mm-hmm. I think I, just from being in this industry myself and the boutique industry for like 15 years, just mm-hmm. watching it um, grow, especially in Charleston, mm-hmm. um, it was like when we op- when I opened my first studio on Upper King Street um, almost 11 years ago, there was like nothing there. The ordinary mm-hmm. wasn't there, like none right. of that stuff. Like we were literally, we were on a dirt floor. Like people were like, are you here? And mm-hmm. I was like, it was all we can afford. <laughs> and my husband's a builder and he was right. like, we can throw a floor down, like we'll make it work, you yeah. know? And um, I think it's it's so what you say, it's like it, it is so much more about experience mm-hmm. now. And, and it is a premium product. I get that. I know that yep. you have to have money to be able to come in here and do that. And I really appreciate that. And for the 60 minutes I get of your time, because mm-hmm. I know that's a value, right. I want to deliver you what you want, what exactly. you need, exactly. and to give you the service. And that's what I stress to all the women and men that work for me. I'm like, you guys, like, when you go in there, like, you, like, I don't want to, well, I kind of want you to like bleed for these people, like give them what they are here for. Yeah. Um, because they have a, there's fitness on every corner mm-hmm. and just like there's restaurants or places on every corner and you got to put some soul behind it Yep. because people are going to see right through it and they're mm-hmm. going to be like, thank you next. Um, so that's something that I've found. I was just talking to my husband. He goes to a big gym and mm-hmm. we walked in and 
on Sunday, he was like, please work out with me. Cause I was like, let's come here and we'll work mm-hmm. out and I'll work you out. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I want to work you out. And I was like, Oh fuck. You're going to like <laughs> break my back. <laughs> so we went and it, I mean, it was kind of funny, but him and one of the guys he works with, they yeah. work out at this gym like three days a week. And I actually used to work at this gym when I moved here. It's mm-hmm. been a million different gyms now, but they, he had like a name for everybody there. Like they, they have like this whole sitcom they've created. Yes. <laughs> it's actually quite hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, that's so-and-so he's like, that's techie guy. Like, and I'm like, do you even work out? He's like, no, you just like, you look around and you talk about all the people. I'm like, whatever, John. But, um, it definitely didn't feel like an intimate right vibe. Yes. So I, uh, I get that. Yeah. And I appreciate those smaller vibe things. Um, so one of the things that we always ask, and you mm-hmm. probably already answered this, is like, what was your are you for real moment? Like, whether it's like, are you for real excited or like, fuck, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had many, but maybe like in flow of this conversation. Um, the rush to sort of quit the job that I had here was a moment where I realized if I stayed any longer, the person who owned the restaurants was going to find a way to basically take away my catalog of ideas mm. and say that they were his. Um, and I was like, wait, what? You know? And so it's kind me, like, of chills all over my whole body. <laughs> yeah. And it's this thing that comes up It's starting to come up more. And I think it needs to be discussed a lot more is not just in restaurants, but kind of in general, if you have an employee or you are an employee and there are ideas involved, who does the idea belong to? Mm-hmm. You know, like someone innovates in your company. What do you do with that innovation if they want to leave? Did you coach them into that position of being able to create those ideas Mm -hmm. or did they come up with these things on their own? And so, um, you know, I felt like I had really come up with these things on my own. Like I wasn't some 20 year old and this was my first big break. I had Mm -hmm. been doing this for a really long time, traveled a lot, had a lot of things to say with food. And so to me, the idea that I was just going to kind of cough it up and hand it over and let them do it in some really cheap way, um, with like $10 an hour employees was just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And some legal action, attempted legal action ensued. And I was like, what the fuck? Are you really for fucking real? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. And that was it. And I was just like, and you know. Was that when you tried to leave? Yes. Yeah. And it was really stressful for everybody involved and totally ridiculous for everybody involved. And eventually it went away. But it was a good thing that happened to me in a certain sense where I had to think about how I was going to run this microscopic company, which hopefully at some point will be large enough to where these kinds of issues will be something that we need to think about is how do you, how do you really want to run your company? You know, um, I don't want it to be a typical sort of restaurant where the people who work for me are vessels for Mm -hmm. me, where Mm -hmm. I am using them for something. Right. Um, and then when I'm done, they're done too. You know, like I think a lot of restaurants work that way. It's just a problem within the industry. And so you know, even though we're really small, I think about what I want it to look like. And I want people who are with me to be able to leave freely, feel like they can leave freely and have something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a pretty big moment. Do you guys have non-competes when you're working one place, you don't work another place? They do that. I don't have that personally with my mm-hmm. fitness, mm-hmm. with my team, but I know a lot of fitness places do. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's in your industry or in restaurant industries as well? I don't. I think at uh, certain levels and for really corporate restaurants, there are, um, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that a lot of restaurants are starting to kind of tighten up the paperwork, even if they slip it into the employee handbook about. Um, you signed it. That's, you know, yeah. I'm like, well, I, I can't even read it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I've never had one. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so what is your thought on that? Cause that, that does bring up something interesting. So if you're working, you're in flow with somebody, you're now bigger and mm-hmm. you're selling this product. Mm-hmm. And so the product becomes like synonymous with you, mm-hmm. but it's someone else's idea that you guys maybe work together and they mm-hmm. want to leave and they want to take it. What does I, I'm, what does that look like? That looks like you, they, that's theirs. To me, it's theirs. Yeah. And if I want to retain any part of it, then we have to come up with some sort of agreement about it. I purchase it from them. I have some kind of licensing thing with them. Mm-hmm. I talk about it with them. Yep. If they want to take it, they have to take it. And as a business owner, I have to be strong enough and I have to have my own ideas and creativity to kind of get over the vacuum of that great thing being gone. Mm-hmm. Have integrity. Yeah, exactly. And if yeah. you can't do that, then you know there's something a little bit wrong with your model. And, and, and maybe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, pretty much. So, are you for fucking real? Yes. Um, that's what you're saying. I can totally relate to as well because right. when we first opened this studio, mm-hmm. we had some people that um, they were. Luckily, I was with what when I sold my other business, I was mm-hmm. able to use that to build this studio. Right. Um, and then to do the next studio, the, the other people are helping us with that a little bit, but. Somebody was like, you know, this is amazing. Like we let's, let's, let's brand it. Let's not, I said, you know, I'm not going to franchise it mm-hmm. because, you know, but they said to me, they were like, now you got to think about if you're going to grow in other cities. Cause of course, like at first to me, it was like so sexy. Like I just come from a partnership and now I'm on my own and somebody likes me and they're like, let's yes. take it to other cities. I'm like, let's go to California, you know? And he's like, yes. okay, pause. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to ask yourself, is it you mm-hmm. like Sarah Frick mm-hmm. or is it the business? Right. Because I, I think there has to be heart in Mm -hmm. everything we do, but like walking in there, like I can't just get Joe Schmo in there to teach a class and for to have the same turnout. Right. So it's like, it's this constant thought of like, okay, well, if we do open in other markets, like Mm -hmm. how, who's going to train these people? Right. Like who's going to bring the same like heart to this Mm -hmm. and who's going to, and who's going to care. Right. Right. And then like, it's like, well, what if it's like this watered down shitty version of what we're doing? And all of a sudden I'm just like another chain. Yeah. And I'm like, oof, I just, that, that thought scares me. So I, I loved hearing you say that because mm-hmm. I'm all constantly trying to negotiate what that would look like. And right. I don't have an answer, but it yeah. just, I see other places that started small and got big. And now it's like, hmm. Yeah. Not that into it. Right. Just the, the build out. And at which point I, you know, turn it over to a manufacturer essentially. And it's that kind of thing where at a certain point you can't make everything by hand anymore and you have to make that decision. And, um, when we get to that point, can someone make it with enough integrity where it still resembles the product it originally was, you know, and I think we've kind of decided to go, um, to kind of split the way the company would work, which is that there's novelties like the not fried chicken, the little special bars we do mm-hmm. and the ice cream candy bars, which to, up to a certain volume will be made by hand by us. And then, you know, um, like these retailers that are interested in us, if they're interested in pints, we will probably go the co-packing route before we actually do it ourselves, just because of the way that the ice cream has to be made and shipped and frozen. I, I just can't and I don't want to build a plant. And that's essentially what is involved with making pints of ice cream properly is building a factory. You don't want to build a factory stream. I do not. That's yeah, weird. It just, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound time consuming. No, or really <laughs> nerve wracking or complicated. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, sometimes maybe less is more. I think so. I, I don't know. I, we're still trying to figure out the, the boundaries of that with yeah. what's planned for this <clears> year. So I'd love, I'd love to know <laughs> <laughs> how that works out. <laughs> um, 
So one other thing, mm-hmm. or maybe a few other things, mm-hmm. but can you tell us three things people might not know about you? Um, <laughs> I like to pick things up with my toes. Um, my husband thinks it's the weirdest thing. Is this thing. why you want Barbie feet? Uh, I, I want Barbie feet because I wish I could always wear heels. Maybe that's number two. Got it. Um, I love heels, but I, I can't. They hurt your feet. Uh, yeah, and I'm just really like super awkward and uncoordinated. <laughs> so, and I have nowhere to wear heels. Like, you know, pick my kids up from school and my Mom's boobies, here. You know, mom's here with her sexy shoes. Yeah. No. Um, and a third thing, I think my dream job would really be just having like a like a dog rescue. Just be on a large piece of land with like a thousand dogs, but only dogs with pointy heads. <laughs> Love, like yes, Ada. Um, yeah. What kind of? <laughs> what do you have dogs right now? I do have a dog. He's thirteen, um, and he's he's getting older faster. And it's it's really it's it's gonna be a it's gonna yeah. be a tough it's gonna be a tough time when he goes. We had two labs, and we had to put them down within a year. Oh God! It was it was and they were like when John and I met, we each had these like big black I mean they were like bears they were like mm-hmm. polar bears and they were loves and like you know d- dogs really are like we John and I lost our first child and River one of our labs I mean he would follow me like from the couch they to know. cry to the bathroom to cry to the yeah. bed to cry to yep. the floor to cry I mean mm-hmm. that dog and I and it was crazy that summer John and I moved to it's just this like whirlwind of just like stress mm. and John went to Europe <clears throat> for a few weeks with his dad and I was like I'm I'm fine I can stay here by myself and I, I noticed like River kept getting thinner and thinner and thinner and I was so scared and I was like I can't I cannot handle anything so I took him with I took him to the vet mm-hmm. and they were like and I told the vet everything that we had been mm-hmm. going like I literally was like bawling the vet's bawling and he was like Sarah the dog's depressed like he oh. feels you I know oh. I know I'll always love Dr. King. He was just been oh was such gosh. a great vet to us. And he was like, he's sad. He's really sad. Oh. And I was like, I'm really fucking sad. And so we kind of healed together. You yeah. know, I was like, all right, River, we're going to go to the beach every day and run. And we're going to like <laughs> get outside. We're, and yeah, we're, we're not going to lay on the couch yeah. and cry right now. And so I love dogs too. Oh my they gosh. really yes. are just, oh, they're yeah. just loves, loves. But until everyone in my house can wipe their ass, we will not have one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But puppies are like babies. It's tricky for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Tell us where we can find you um, in, in the <clears throat> truck, on the Instagram, on the website, whatever. Yeah. Um, our Instagram is life.raf.treats. Um, you can find our schedule there for the truck. We're not out a lot in January and February. It's kind of our time to uh, sort of do all the admin work we've been putting off all year long. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, allegedly think about things, but it's more like just get really neurotic about everything. <laughs> um, uh, but we are doing some things for Super Bowl and for Valentine's Day and stuff like that. But you can find our schedule on our Instagram page. And um, in the meantime, if you can't find us, if you go and have dinner at... Renzo or Chubby Fish or Jackrabbit Philly, our treats and our ice cream are at those three places, which are also my three favorite restaurants, not just because I love the people that own and run them, but I think the food is really fantastic. And again, small, loved restaurants. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Thank you. you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Cynthia, for that awesome insight into what it's like to be a pastry chef and to run a food truck and to basically be a badass overall woman. Um, It was really nice to meet her and to sit down with her and to hear 
her side of the story. I always love that about growth and expansion, starting small and just going with it. So thank you guys as always for listening. If you liked us, help others find the show. Rate us, review us, send us to your friends because we love what we're doing and we want to keep doing this. And we want to hear from you guys. Send us some of your Are You For Real moments. We want to hear all about it and just keep elevating this community. We'll see you in the next episode. you in the next episode? No. We will speak to you very soon. <laughs> All right, bye. Go. All right. One, two, three. We'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> One, two, three.